0: it's an important conversation it really really is we're going to be talking about cancer and cancer well not specifically in a way um you know a cancer diagnosis for anyone obviously is traumatic it's terrifying right there's there's no question i don't care who you are uh job one instantly becomes okay how are we going to survive this how are we going to treat this and that that makes good sense right um but surviving it really um is the ultimate goal but it's just the start it can be life changing in a lot of ways and young women face changes forever you know their entire life cycle or if that's the proper term and it's probably not can be changed um and uh there's not a lot of support around some of this, so we're going to have a conversation about some of the issues and, and and what we can do to maybe help. So we're going to chat with Dr. Kimberly Cullen, who is a Toronto-based clinical and health psychologist who works with young women affected by cancer. Dr. Cullen, thank you for your time. I appreciate you being here. Hi, Shay. Thank you so much for having me. You know, the cancer diagnosis, of course, that's that's the start. And, and you know, for for young women, obviously, the job one is okay. Let's beat the cancer. That makes perfect sense, but. But what comes after? It can be all kinds of different, you know, life-changing events, right?
1: Absolutely. I think that the journey does not, uh, it, it starts and does not end, uh, yeah. cancer diagnosis and treatment. And I think that, you know, the multiple implications when it comes to cancer survivorship are, of course, dependent on the type and severity of cancer and whatnot. Um, I think we're starting to have more dialogues about what survivor looks look, looks like with respect to those implications, whether it's, you know, changes in fertility and family planning, changes in the structure of um, the family, changes in mental health and coping, fear of recovery occurrence um as well as in changes in, in physical and sexual functioning and so yeah the, the journey does not end when that you know proverbial or literal you know last chemotherapy treatment bell yeah. has been rung and,
0: and, and it's not one size fits all and everybody's going to have a different experience and like you say different kinds of That's cancer right. and different kinds of treatments are all going to be different so can we boil it down to some of the more common issues and if we did what would they be
1: I think some of the main common issues we often think about are the side effects of uh, chemotherapy and surgeries, okay. and so a lot of my work is with breast cancer patients for example, and so things like surgeries of course leave um, the body you know permanently I don't want all necessarily say damaged but but uh, certainly for sure as well as is changed even with something like reconstructive surgery um, as well as the impacts of chemotherapy, both in terms of going through chemotherapy. You know, I'm I'm sure it's not news to most people. They've probably known someone with cancer and, and what it's like to go through that, but also the after effects of chemotherapy.
0: So when we talk about fertility issues, you mentioned those and how they're affected. I mean, that can be affected by chemotherapy, radiation, all of those things, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, chemotherapy could sometimes come as a surprise to, uh, women who are not being treated for gynecological cancer. Right. And so I think there is a lot more information readily available. Um, you know, but the ways in which chemotherapy can impact all the way to completely, you know, alter for life ovarian function, how it can stress, uh, women, you know, in, into instant menopause, which, you know, could be short term, but could be also long term. And, and with the complications or side effects of that being, uh, potentially chronic uh, and pervasive. Um, And so there are a lot of changes when it comes to fertility and also just the sense of of a woman's uh, body image and and reproduction and, and what that feels like above and beyond just family planning.
0: And, you know, I think for, for patients going through this, obviously, like we said, you know, the focus is going to be on treating the cancer, and I'm sure the doctors are focused on treating the cancer. Mm-hmm. Is there enough support for sort of, okay, we'll get that done, and we'll take good care of you there, and we'll be there afterwards, and this is what to expect? Is Does that kind of work get done as much as it should? It
1: has gotten better, and I'm continuously inspired and encouraged with the oncology teams that I have worked with, with respect to the interest and the enthusiasm in providing that support. Um, but I think there continues to be a little bit of a, a more of a gap than I would like with between the enthusiasm um, and the actual support um, available. You know, a lot of women will sort of describe and report that they they want the information uh, when it comes to things like sex and reproduction. They yeah. want it early. They want their their, their providers to bring it up, um, and yet it's often not until it becomes an issue where it is brought up, but often not brought up that, that survivors don't necessarily know who to ask if it's their, you know, oncologist at let's say a six month follow up, or the nurse or even their primary care physician. And so it's one of those things where I would certainly, I think we're on the up, the uptake with respect to that support. uh, But we need to be talking about it early and frequently.
0: Yeah. Like what about before treatment is started? Can there be a consideration to, okay, this treatment might be more successful, but it might have these after effects. Whereas this one, I mean, do those conversations is that something that even I mean is that a possibility or are they all pretty much the same
1: it is a possibility and it does happen you know I think it depends on on you know the team and the oncologist and so uh, you know I certainly would make a gross statement or or general statement saying you know no one's talking about this and yet a lot of the women that I spoke to actually said no one is no one is mentioning this and so you know when we think about you know having conversations like amputating a limb that we are actually taking someone's lifestyle in mind with respect to what that would look like in terms of rehabilitation and I think that we need to be doing that more in the context of cancer care um the canadian cancer society has a really wonderful 85 page booklet that i think was um, published in 2019 or revamped um and and it's full of information with respect to the different types of cancers and treatments and the implications about sex and so I, and fertility and, and body image and all that um and so i think it it, 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 there is some room certainly for improvement with respect to having these conversations not just with respect to of course you know quote-unquote beating the cancer and survivorship but right. the long-term implications of this and and the questions that women want to be asking themselves when they are actually making choices when it comes to treatment it's not just a one-size-fits-all and it not, it's not just a one-treatment fits all with respect to treatment options
0: So, so how do we do that? Do we, I mean, is, is this happening? Is this, uh, uh, something that people are talking about more often? Are there resources that are available now that weren't there five years ago? I mean, is this, is this something that's Mm -hmm. being developed?
1: It is, it is being developed. As, it's one of the, the reasons that I particularly was interested in getting into this field was just to bring, you know, particularly sex and reproduction more at the forefront. We think about physical and mental health, as, and the way we talk about that, I think mental health has come a long way, and I think that uh, sexual and reproductive health should also be a part of that. And so, you know, again, I think these conversations are happening. It often falls upon um, the patients to sort of do their homework yeah. and ask those questions. And I think, again, the really important important to think about thing to think about is there is so much information we just hear the word you know cancer diagnosis and trying to process that and trying to about, you know, treating and beating the cancer, but also having those conversations. And so, you know, I think that, you know, one of the potential reasons for that is that like there are time constraints. I think that sometimes services are a bit more siloed than than I think they need to be. You know, I think that the vast majority of larger cancer centers um, have psycho-oncology departments, and so psycho-oncology is is the way that we look at um, the emotional and spiritual and psychological impacts of cancer, both throughout cancer and in survivorship. Um, And I think that these services play a really important role in potentially having those conversations or helping uh, women and and patients alike have those conversations. I think that often, you know, cancer patients and or survivors might find themselves, you know, seeking these services more typically because they are having difficulties, you know, coping with the initial shock of of the diagnosis or coping with survivorship. But I think the role of social workers and, and psychologists, for example, to help women and patients think about you know what they want in treatment when again there's just so much yeah. so much and so much fast information coming at them.
0: Well, i think you're right it's overwhelming and i think you know if you talk about those silos and that makes perfect sense like you could understand why it would be like that like our first, you know what we're going to do is we're going to save your life and okay well, i'll work with that um i'm wondering if you're a patient and we know sadly there are people listening today that are in this position that have recently received a cancer diagnosis if you're a woman mm-hmm. in that position where do you start how do you sort of even I'm sure there are questions that are going to come up that you don't even know are going to come up because a lot of this stuff like you say there's so much information Um, we've probably opened some eyes today where do people start to try and get the information that will guide them in their own journey
1: oh gosh and that's that's such a hard one. I mean, it's not that the information is, is there, but often women don't even know it, what information they're looking for, and there's so right. many accounts yep. of I didn't know chemotherapy could impact me this way. Yep. And so, you know, I think that I am always encouraging my patients to, you know, advocate for themselves in terms of their own support networks to be asking their healthcare providers where they can receive the information. You know, but but I do think and I do encourage it to fall a bit more on healthcare providers to be, you know, asking these questions with respect to any concerns that women might have, I think that we're, if we're asking things more open-ended rather than in a directed way, it creates permission and dialogue um, around cancer and survivorship. Um, you know, for example, if, if, if a patient comes into to their doctor's office, we're asking routine questions about, you know, how is your sleep? How are your bowel movements? How is your diet these days? How is your energy? And so to just be adding these questions with, you know, how is your mood? How is your mental health? and How is your sex life? What are your goals? So to just be incorporating it more into um, the conversation. You know, and again, the resources are there. I think, you know, we're taking a a swing with respect to, you know, increase in services and and advocacy. I think that um, there is more programming and education both within hospitals and and certainly within private practice. You know, we know, you know, large national organizations like Rethink Breast Cancer who supports young women with um, breast cancer is a great place to start, um, and so I really do encourage women not just to advocate and, and seek the information, but advocate and feel comfortable asking their healthcare providers where to get this information.
0: Um, uh, excellent advice. Thank you so much for your work and, and for joining us today to talk a bit about it. It's so important. Thank you very much, Dr. Cullen.